This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. I was knocked off my microphone in excitement there as we started this episode. Um, I feel a little bit in disbelief of what I've just seen. Aston Villa have, have made a, a comeback to come back and win that game 3-1 against Fulham after a turgid 77-78 minutes. Uh, the old cliche, a game of two halves. It's a game of 77 minutes and a game of 13 minutes because after Trezeguet got that first goal, Villa switched it on and uh through that first 77 minutes was... Oh, yeah. yeah, it was it was a tough one to take, man. Um, but it's what we all wanted. We wanted um, some entertainment, mate. It's, I think, what we all wanted. Um, and we weren't getting that for, God knows, until Keenan Davis came on, maybe. yeah. Yeah, just about. The subs changed the game, didn't they? And we'll get onto the subs in a little bit. But as Phil Curley says, and I think the uh, caption for this says, never in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> it was for a good while. Um, I was trying to, I was having peak anxiety, trying to think of, what am I going to say again? You know, coming yeah. up 1-0 lost to Fulham. I was like, what can we, because Matt's not even here, so we can't talk about like socks or like pork chops or, or Well, we can talk no. about what we want, but yeah, we don't have that usual Matt Kendrick nonsense to come on. So I was, I was really dreading I was really dreading this podcast, thinking even 20 minutes in, 45 minutes in, 70 minutes in, I'm thinking, oh, I can't be bothered to talk about this. And even with the win, obviously, it's a, it's, a, it's great that Villa have turned it round, but it's, it's, it, it, it gives us more questions than answers, Yeah, don't you think? No. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's almost like when you perform all like that, the, the big question is, why isn't that every week? And yeah. just football, isn't it, man? Man, it's just, you know, if you're a Chelsea fan, 5-2 to West Brom, you just get footballed sometimes. And Villa have been footballed for, uh, since, <laughs> since December, mate. So we've had it tough. Um, we haven't had it t- tougher than, as tough as many clubs, but it's still been a rough ride. And, you know, yeah. people question Dean Smith's position, of course. It's going to be a rough ride. It's gonna, people are going to be feeling negative and in doubt. That Fulham game, man, um, 30 minutes at the end may be really good. Um, 60 minutes where it was really, really bad. And, you know, some of the things you see tweeted are not just from us fans, um, but you see from like pundits. And I know, you know, Ash, who we work with, and you see like, oh, Ross Barkley's not on the bench and he's, you know, not coming down the tunnel after half time. You're thinking, is that the club we are now then? Are we having this bit of dysfunction? Mm. I'm not saying Keenan Davis is a catalyst, but you, you know, he comes on after, uh, and, you know, um, Jacob Ramsey comes on after Douglas Louise kind of does a, a pirouette in, in our, in our yeah. defensive third for whatever reason. You're thinking, that's, that's what we are now. Come out with a bit of dynamite, don't they? And, not saying they changed the game, but clearly, <laughs> clearly they must have done something because no, when, the, when those two players come on, we look at a different team and the urgency is there. Tyro Mings as well. He had, the, he had the whole career in one game, didn't he? Sloppy <laughs> mistakes makes up for it. So, mate, mental. You know, it's really hard to predict, say even how you feel because yeah. there's so much poor, poor play. The scoreline's 3 1. Trezeguet as well. So many people you can talk about. What did you think of his celebration? I'll post a picture <laughs> on here. Put his hand and gun to his head. 
Yeah, and his <laughs> finger like this, I think, as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. So running around like this at the corner flag. What are you doing, mate? Yeah, but um, I don't know what statement that. I think it's like, you know, don't uh, don't write me off. And I think everyone had... Look, he's got the right to prove people wrong. Everyone has got the right to criticise him, but he's got the right to prove people wrong. And he came on like, you know, absolute hitman out there. There's, I think the second shot he had, when it was just like a, a ballistic missile coming off his yeah. foot. And you think, he's on it, isn't it today? He really is on it. Comes on, scores a goal. Looks like he's going to get a second, then does taps it in. It's, you know, can't praise some of the people in that Villa squad enough. Like, I genuinely cannot because it was a uh, performance for the character um, when it mattered. Yeah, so, only 15 yeah, minutes, though. Yeah, 15 we... minutes that mattered, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. Fulham might be thinking, well, we had, we had the 60 minutes, but they needed yeah, points, so. mate, like, and they ain't got them, so... Yeah, yeah I, I understand what you mean. It is, a, it is a great comeback and it does show character, but I kind of... I don't know if I, I'm at risk of sounding stupid here, which is every podcast. But I don't know whether I read too much into that last 15 minutes, even yeah. though Villa will turn it around. I'm more concerned by why it took it that far to, to beat Fulham and why we've been poor for several weeks without Jack. Why has it taken this long to try and play 4-4-2 and be a bit different? Why couldn't yeah. we have tried this weeks ago and maybe things have been different sooner? Why did it have to wait till 77 minutes against Fulham? We hadn't even had a shot on target till that point. So I'm a little bit still bogged down with how poor it was for that that opening 70-odd minutes. Yeah, the, the last 20 was was much better when we win the game, and that's the main thing. We all want to win games. But is that just papered over the cracks, as a, a few people in the comments are saying? I don't know. Look, it was coming off the international break. It's never peak time for Villa. It's never peak time for football. It always takes a while to get back, kind of get going, as a cliche says. But just two sides like cancelling each other out, and you're thinking, you know, if one side's going to give it away, like Villa's last three goals, four goals... It's just been gifts. The, 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 the yeah. ones against Spurs that, that end at Newcastle, the goals that we are, you know, we're horrified by. It's not, and I don't want to do the other teams down and say, oh, they haven't been playing like they deserve it. We've just went, oh, you know what? Have a few cracks at goal, or hey, you know, have the ball on the line, or you know, have an open goal to shoot at. That's what we were. So, you know, that match was heading for nil nil, and I think the commentator Alan Smith said, you know, one moment of magic changes this, and I'm thinking, yeah, it's going to be a one nil, isn't it? And it's going to be a one nil to Fulham because we're going to give them the ball. Tyra Mings does what his critics would say has been on the cards for a while and you're thinking no way Villa come back from this no way yeah. that, they're not that side then they do it so don't know where I stand but look I think however you feel about that match you're absolutely bang on to feel that way if you're disappointed because we had a bad 60 minutes yeah it was turgid man we've had bad weeks we've had bad bad months but if you're buzzing because of the comeback and it, while it shows we can be, that's fair enough. It's, it's a game of two sides. It's going to be a game of split opinions because yeah. of the nature of it. But we won it. We won it. <laughs> we wanted it. Let's let's go through things in, in chronological order then. 3.30 this afternoon, no Jack Grealish in that starting lineup graphic that yeah. Villa post on Twitter. There's a few rumblings on Twitter this morning that he wasn't going to be in there from people that seem to get things right every so often. So semi-prepared for it anyway, but... You know, you never think until the club confirm it is when we'll deal yeah. with it. Then you get people saying, oh, why can't Dean Smith just be honest with us? Why can't he just say yesterday, you know, yesterday's press conference saying, yeah, Fulham, he'll play 99% sure and all the rest of it. And then we, you get round today and he doesn't play and everyone goes, why, why are we being lied to? Mm-hmm. I just want Jack to play. I want to be told the truth. Why, when will we hear the extent of Jack Grealish's shin splint injury and all the rest of it? As far as I'm concerned, it's a, he trying this week is okay. Had a bit of a reaction yesterday. Wasn't fit enough to play. Yeah, I think but there's no lying. Yeah, it's it's like you you want to think 
Yeah, it's like, like conspiracy like, or something. People like Villa have posted old photos of of Grealish, old training photos. It's, those yeah. photos are taken this week. <laughs> yeah, I struggle. I struggle with that one. Um, it's just. I know why people are going to be infuriated because you know you're buying to the fact that Villa aren't the same team without Grealish and look they've looked pretty rubbish with Grealish for a good four yeah, weeks so yeah. so it maybe comes back to the to team and we're dynamite and it replicates what we did in the championship and we go on a massive winning run and we're all happy but I think fans just want to see Grealish back so so badly because it's almost like you believe he's that catalyst and he is a special player he can't be can be that but can't forget that we were bad weeks with him against Brighton we weren't making anything with him in the, yeah. in the team if he was playing with a, an injury or, or whatever but you know uh, I think people want to think there's a conspiracy or whatever it, I think I'm like you I feel like he's been fine he's come back he got into training whatever's happened in training or maybe he wasn't completely ready pointless risking him if he's that good of a player and then if we if we can find 20 minutes to be really good and score three goals then against Fulham I don't see the harm yeah Exactly what we just said here from David. Why have we been lied to by Smith? I don't think it is a lie. As much as Jack Grealish is this amazing talent, he's had seven weeks without playing. He's had three or four days training. I don't think he gets thrown straight in regardless of who it is. If it isn't Jack Grealish and it's a fringe player or someone who's in and around the squad and they get an injury and they're out for six or seven weeks or however long it's been now, they don't they don't come straight back in, do they? So I just don't think he's fit and ready to go. I think he's trying this week. So I think, yeah, fit, he'll play. But he's feeling a little bit tense. Don't want to risk it. There's no point. It's against Fulham. We probably should win, to be honest. And at a stage today, that would have all blown up in our faces. But we've won without him. So does it really matter? It's another week without him. He comes back next week, hopefully. And yeah. that's all there is to it. I don't think there is a case of Dean Smith lying and the club lying about him and posting old pictures and whatever conspiracy theories go out there. I just don't think he's ready. Yeah, I think the Dean Smith thing and the Villa thing with injuries, it happens with every player. Like when Keenan Davis and Ross Barkley, when is he back? Oh, oh, next week. When's he back? Oh, next week. Oh, he's getting better. It happens like when most players at Villa get injured. When are they back? Oh, they're back soon. Nine on percent sure he'll be on the bench. Not on the bench. It's amplified to about, you know, a thousand times more when it comes to. Yeah, Grant we want to see it. Yeah. So it's just, it's just, it's something that's been happening for ages and it, it's not highlighted. And whether it's even a problem or not, it's not highlighted until it's Jack Grealish. And obviously everyone wants to see him back because. Mr. Villa and he's a special yeah. player so it's that times by thousand yeah it's just one of those things and he'll be back when he's back and it's, it'll be frustrating until he's there and that's, that's as far as it goes I, I don't <laughs> think there's any mad conspiracy theory to go at um, yeah. talking of conspiracy theories let's talk about VAR and the nonsense that is VAR <laughs> um, first of all was it a penalty on, on Watkins man I don't know because I don't even know like what constitutes a penalty and you know what I mean it's like there's so much second Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, what, what is clear and obvious because I, that wasn't clear and obvious to me enough to go back to the monitor. Then when no. they go back to the monitor, you're like, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna change his mind. And they only like, showed him one replay as well on the on the monitor. The thing, the thing is though, if whether the Watkins one was dubious, and it probably was, not the McGinn one. Like I thought yeah, that had yeah. more, more of a yeah. case. So. I don't know when it's like it moves out of phase of play, but football's so fluid that there's phases of play. It's like when um, Mings gave that goal and the Man City attacker was offside. It's yeah. like, oh, it changed the phase of play. It's like, yeah, it changed about 40 times from when the ball was travelling. <laughs> the football's so fluid. Yeah, It is It is frustrating, man. Um, the application of VAR is still something every fan has difficulty with. I don't see anyone really praising it massively. Probably not even the refs, really. It's just rough. And it's... You know, if we were in stadiums, we've all been there and it was, you know, you're waiting minutes for a resolution and it's not going to be the one you want. So I don't like it, man. 
There's a few. There's actually more people in the comments suggesting that it wasn't a penalty, more so than I thought. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was a little bit torn for a long time. I still thought it was a penalty, even when I saw it a couple of times, because it's so like it's one of those ones where they seem to both get to the ball at the same time. And people saying, "Oh, the ball deviated." I think even sooner said it deviates off this way, so it has to be the full on play. So yeah, but it could still get a nick off Watkins first, and then go. It, but then that is the problem with our VAR, yeah. isn't it? You're getting so minute in the details that it doesn't need. It's not worthy of being talked about. It looked like in the first um, real time that it was a penalty. The ref gives it. It's not an obvious area, so it should be left. It's how I think VAR should be used. And that's not yeah. because it's in favour of Villa. And there's people saying, but if that was against Villa, we'd all be fuming about it. So, again, it's one of those ones that, fortunately, it doesn't, it doesn't affect the result today. But, again, just sick of VAR, to be honest, and just bored of it. Yeah, on, on the Watkins one, like, it's... It swings and roundabouts. It's just, you know, sometimes stuff like that gets given, sometimes it doesn't. My personal thought is it probably wasn't a penalty. Again, the McGinn one for me was yeah. more. But if you're reviewing that, then you're reviewing everything and you're reviewing it so forensically. It's like, I thought VAR would be a really good introduction to the game. You know, the idea is amazing, but in application, it's rough and it's mm. just, it's so heavy on the. It's like CSI Villa Park. Like, it's rough. It's so it's so forensic and detailed. It, it's like the offsides on the on the on the millimeter and the toes and the the little frame by frame of um did he win the ball or not? And you couldn't really really hundred percent tell. So mm. the clear and obvious fingers are. It's just I'm, I'm a ramble at this point, but yeah. <laughs> the IR brings everyone to a rough 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 time. No I can also what. I can also guarantee they wouldn't even be looking at that McGinn one because they'll just be attention on. Yeah on this Watkins thing and not even bothered about that. There's been ones where, that, where that's happened before, haven't they? When they're looking at an offside or whatever and then not realising that it's a foul made before or whatever. And it's just, I don't know, it's weird. I don't think football should be analysed to that degree, but this is where we are at this point. So yeah, we have to deal with it. Football ain't cricket or baseball. It don't happen in stages. It's, it's a fluid game and it needs a fluid officiating system. So we don't yeah. have that, whatever. Um, what about Mings's error? The goal that was, that was conceded poor wasn't it yeah it was bad again these critics people who've been you know they see similar kind of almost nonsensical stuff he does sometimes um when he's out of form especially and think you know what he's gonna he's gonna chuck a game away for us one day if he hasn't already and it happens and you know it comes up and it's like he can't defend that but what you can appreciate is the bounce back from it the resilience mm. to kind of go you know what i have chucked the game away but i can make i can get a new game going in the next half an hour he had, he had no, I don't know what he was thinking doing that, passing back to the goalkeeper. It was almost like far too pedestrian and far too casual. But the bounce back is is what I'm more concerned about. You're going to make a mistake. Villa are going to make mistakes. They're a, a young, they're a young football team and they're an improving football team. It's how you bounce back from that, Dan, I think. Yeah. Is is what defines you. How, are you going to be characters? Are you going to are you going to strop and go right? I've given the game away. We've lost this one now. That's and that's on me. I'm just going to have a right, you know, episode about it. Or are you going to do what he did and get yourself in in silly positions to make something happen somewhere where no centre back should be almost? Yeah. And he puts it across, and you know he makes up for it by being determined to to make up for the mistake. So you know, full credit to him for that because. Look, I don't think we would be where we are without Tyrone Mings, especially in that match. We wouldn't have uh, conceded uh, if he wasn't so casual. But you know, he, he gives us the catalyst to improve and get on. So you know, not happy about the mistake, but I'm really am happy happy with how he got back into the game, mate. 
uh, kind of flip-flopping all over the place here. There's ones where we've done these before where we've lost a couple of games and people start saying, oh, forget Europe, just stop talking about it. And to an extent, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit sick of it. And then I see the lead table and realise we're only, five, I think, five points off that little cluster of teams on, on 49 points, I think they are, and we're on 44 possibly 45 my post-match live um, brain isn't into gear at the moment but we're not a million miles away from European spots so part of me is like yeah I'm sick of talking about it. I don't think they'll get there they certainly at this point they're definitely not ready for it but obviously there's a summer window before now and next season and potentially potentially Europa League anyway but there's people in the comments saying like oh the European tour's back on <laughs> so like, I don't know whether people are just being a little bit you know sarcastic and you know getting carried away with the win and all the rest of it or people do think well, yeah, it's five points away and it, it could still be done. Simon Hudson, Europe's still on. There's a game in hand as well. And what, what do we think about Europe? It, it's not impossible, but the way Villa are, up until the 77th minute today, we'd be going, no chance Villa are going to fall off a cliff and finish around mid-table and that, that'll be that. But Jack Grealish should come back hopefully soon. If Villa do get, you know, what's nine games left? If they win five of nine, there's a, a decent chance they would get into Europe. It's not impossible. No. It's not. It's not impossible. I think. I think the best thing to say is. I think we 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 want to come to conclusions and kind of get the anxiety of the rest of the season over. We won't all want to know where we end up. It's like last season. People were said, you know, we relegate. Just accept it. You know, don't believe we're going to stay up because they want that kind. They want to cut the cord on of that anxiety. But yeah, just enjoy the ride. You know, wherever we end up, it's you know enjoy. If we get to Europe, we get to Europe, and that's fantastic. Um, if we don't, whatever. We don't need to make. We can make those predictions, but we don't need to hang our hat on it now. Be fluid, and if you know. Just enjoy, just enjoy the ride. If we if we get into into Europe, that's fantastic. If we don't, we've certainly done a lot better than last season. I know people are sick of that line, but the proof will be there. So let's see. Don't don't worry about it. If if Villa can do that, then ideally they can uh, pick up the pace a bit earlier on and, and save us the uh, the trouble. What's your what's your gut feeling? Do you think we'll get into it or not? I think we could perform well enough to to definitely have the question. It's just. How that league table is going to lie come the final game, whether you know West Ham are going to kick on and make it difficult for us to get top seven, whether Everton, you know, are going to kick on as well. So, I think we got it about us, especially if Jack Grealish comes back. But yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Man, don't want to make that prediction. What about you? You you always ask me for predictions. Yeah, my gut is that we won't. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some difficult games left this season. We'll we'll win a couple, you know, three or four out of the last nine or so, and. and Still be, we'll have a decent end to the season, but not enough to get into uh, into Europe. It's a bit, but then there's people in the comments saying, like, do we even need it? Do we want European football? Yes. What do you want? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, I, want if not, yeah. I don't see why you'd turn your nose up at playing at a higher level. Somebody says we haven't even got the squad depth for, for, for the league, let alone Europe, but there's a transfer window between now and the start of the next season, so surely you would be ready by then. If, yeah. if someone said to you now, you can play in Europe next year, do you want it? Yes or no? And that's yeah. what all it laid on. You'd say yes, wouldn't you? You don't turn it down for no reason. Yeah, 100%. Look, I think Villa will have opportunities to compete in Europe down the line as well. I really do believe that. But you know, just look at a side like Hull, for example, and they had one season in Europe and it, it, has, it was something that fans look back on fondly. You, went, you ain't got the squad for that, mate. You know, don't go. It, it, you know, you want, you, want that ch- you want every chance to go to Europe possible. I and mean, that yeah. applies for smaller sides, middle mid-tier sides, and big sides. You want to go to Europe every season, regardless. 
it's also more likely you keep players like Jack Grealish if you're playing in yeah. European competition. If if people are commenting, and this is just a, a, a live free-flowing debate at this point, if you're one of the people that's saying you don't want Europe next season, give me a reason why as well, and we'll, we'll come back to it. Um, just I'm just in, I'm genuinely interested why you wouldn't want European football next season. Dean says, I want to enjoy football in the Premier League first, while Europe, when we can't even beat the City, United and Chelsea's. But then next season, you might beat City, United and Chelsea and go on and beat teams in Europe as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's next season. Why, why, I don't know why you'd turn it down, but I'm intrigued to see why. You can only grow by facing different types of opposition and playing in different tournaments and succeeding, not just in England, but you know elsewhere. So I get the depth thing, but we, as you said, we have a transfer window. I get the, I want to get better in the Premier League first, but what you know, you get, exclusive, better, you get better in the Premier League, you're going to finish in Europe anyway. So the only difference is, you know, I get it. I get the concern about getting relegated and finishing in Europe by winning a, a cup. We want we want those European nights. We want that European success. We want to yeah. travel Europe when that's allowed again. Get it done. Get in, if you get in this season, that's a bonus. If you get in next season, wow, it's, you know, enjoy. If, if we land in Europe, I, I don't see the negative side of that. It's a, neg- it's a good negative to have. If you fall off in the league and you finish 11th next season because you've had to go away to Ajax in the quarterfinal of the Europa League, you know what I mean? That. Yeah, <laughs> we were in the championship two years ago. Like, why would you turn that down? As people said, the only negative, um, like, reason I've seen so far is you said you get more injuries, your, your squad gets tired out, everyone else is like more money to spend, bigger incentive for players to come and sign. Like, there's more positive reasons to get into Europe than not, I think. Um, still yet to see any serious reasons to say why they don't want Europe next season. So, we'll come back to that if we get to it. Um, Danny says, if we don't get Europe, I'd like to just go strong in the Cups and win a trophy. I'd love to see yeah. us win a trophy. Mate, even um, if it's just the... I was going to say the Community Shield, but you need to win a trophy to get into it. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the substitutions then. I tweeted just as Trezeguet scored, oh, subs don't make a difference though. And after he scored the second, someone replied to me like, oh, what are you talking about? And I was like, no, my tweet was to take the mick out of everyone who as soon as Trezeguet came on, they went, oh, Trezeguet, waste of space. No point. What are they bringing him on for? Davis, he's not going to contribute towards a goal. What's he bringing him on for? And Davis gets the assist and Trezeguet bags two and turn the game around. Now, it doesn't always work like that. There's been a lot of substitutions that Dean Smith have made that are pointless and you think, yeah, he doesn't doesn't know what he's doing here. That, that still won't make a difference. Um, but today, it all worked as expected and Dean Smith masterclass based on, on that past 15 minutes. <laughs> Don't know about Masterclass, but it was uh, it <laughs> no, was no. good to see, mate. And it was good to see like a uh, Davis come on. Not not that I thought at that point he was going to come on and change the game, but sixty six minutes when he's been coming on at like eighty eight, seventy nine, eighty, mm. isn't You know, an extra ten minutes, the extra stage of the game to play. So it was nice. It was nice to see players come on. We've almost like nothing to lose in the best way. Like Douglas Lewis, as you said, the squad looked just depleted. They looked demoralised. They looked like we know we've lost this. Douglas Louise is their pirouetting in the defensive third. It's like, yeah, that's not the nothing to lose we want. We want mm-hmm. the nothing to lose where you're just gunning for them and you're running and chasing down every ball and you're actually looking. Look, I'm, I'm not saying that they don't care, but there's a caring and looking like you care. And like, there's there's like a separate level to that. And, yeah. you know, right, Davis came on and chased down every ball. Just it took pressure off so many Villa players. Trezeguet as well. Again, I've said it before, can't commend them enough. Even if it is just one game, they don't come on and and blow away, uh, you know, the next the opposition down down the road. It's like came on and made a difference today. So full credit to the substitutions and, and credit to Dean Smith for making them a bit earlier as well. Yeah, that's what we needed. It's a change of formation as well, isn't it? Going to up top and actually having a system that, that seems to suit us better. 
Davis and Watkins playing up front together because the midfield has been an issue. So when we're aimlessly putting balls into the box, at least there's extra bodies in the box with two up front. Do you think that's something that we could mark, we might persist with a four four two? Maybe I, I don't personally. <laughs> when Jack comes back, it's a, a wide three, isn't it? Yeah, it's like building the team without Jack. And if you believe what Villa say or what Dean Smith says, he could be back in the next game or the next game, and it's telling you building the side without him, even though yeah, he's, a, he's a player you need to build around. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know. I think it's always that kind of magic bullet people expect. You put two up top, you win games, and you do better even after a slump. I don't know, man. I, in this situation, situationally, yeah, he did all right. I, again, a lot of people saying I don't see the harm. Me either. Um, and if you're going to do it, now's the time, I guess. If if we feel negative or positive, now's the time to prove why it wouldn't work. Because why not? When we were still losing the game, there's people on on Twitter saying, "Just throw the kids in. We've got nothing to lose now. Yeah. We're not going to go down. We're not going to get into Europe. What what's the harm in playing the kids? Do you see? I mean, as we said before, there's still a slight possibility we'll get into Europe. <laughs> but is it a, <laughs> is it a stage of just chucking more kids in? Because I'm. I don't know how I feel about that. It comes around as a cliche with every club towards the end of the season when they know they're probably going to be mid-table. We've spoke about this before. We work on other clubs. I do a lot of stuff for Stoke City in, in our area. And they've had a season where they're not going to get in playoffs, they're not going to go down. And every time I do a Facebook Live with the Stoke City reporters, all their fans are saying is, play the youngsters. We've got nothing to, do, nothing to lose now. Blood the youngsters. Get them involved. And no club ever really seems to throw youngsters in towards the end of the season. You might get one or two here getting five minutes or... Someone who's never played before gets two minutes in their, their first team debut on the last day of the season. The team doesn't make three or four changes and chuck kids in for the sake of it for five or six games to go. So Villa won't do that. They'll persist with their first team and hope they can get some positive results. Yeah, just to keep it really short, I think when things aren't going the best, fans want to see change, whether that's a formation, a player being dropped, another player being brought in, or the kids being bloody. I mean, if you had to bring Kessler, Chukwameka, Louis Barry in, that's three positions changing on the squad, you know, on the bench, which is like a huge change in terms of personnel. Yeah. So it, it just represents a change. And, you know, that change means you might see something different on the pitch. We can all agree what we've been seeing hasn't been the best. So I think it's just natural that when people see things going wrong, even if it's not completely falling off a cliff, the natural thing is blood the kids because that represents the biggest change to the personnel possible, I guess. I just had a tweet. I wasn't listening, by the way, but I'm reading as well. <laughs> I had a tweet saying, have we been playing Keenan Davis in the wrong position and is he more likely to end up as a winger than a striker? And we're judging him on his goal score is the wrong thing to do because he can run down the channel and hold people off and put balls in. I mean, he's, he's done that once today and put a ball in and got an assist off the back of it. So now all of a sudden he's a winger, but he's a striker, isn't he? A striker that doesn't, yeah. doesn't score goals. And to, the last point of that probably does make sense. Yeah, you shouldn't judge him on his goals alone because he, he probably does bring more to that if we got to see him more often. His hold-up play is his strength, roles more so than his goal-scoring ability. But I think with Keenan Davis, he has to play in a two-up top, doesn't he? And, and that's not going to be with Villa, I don't think. Yeah, look, from a from our perspective, we haven't seen nearly enough of Keenan Davis to even make any assumption of where he could fit in. You know, he hasn't barely started games since that run of games under Steve Bruce. I know it's easy to go on Wikipedia and go, look, he's made 51 or whatever appearances. Those have been minutes and minutes and minutes here and there in, yeah. in short, short spells. He has played on the wing a few times and he's always looked like there is some kind of impact there. But is, I, whether you're saying like he's going to be the starting winger for Villa, it's difficult, but we're all expecting some kind of change now to come after after this match. And whether it's Keenan Davis starting 
you know, in place of Algarzi on the wing or two up top. I just, I simply don't know. Uh, I assume Dean Smith will do what he's always done, stick to the guns, and we'll see kind of the same yeah. formation next time, unfortunately for Davis. There's an interesting point from Rich here that I'm, I'll probably will end on. He says, how much should you change, how much should the opposition mean you change your style of play Fulham this week, Liverpool next? We've heard Smith, I think, say things like horses for courses and different players for, for different different teams and stuff but we all seem to play the same lineup. is it a thing to do that to change change the system or change players specifically for different games or do you just stick with what you know probably depends on like the individual philosophy of a club i guess i mean if you've got a certain way of playing do you want to rip the script up because man city are coming to town or do you want to mm. tweak certain things that could make it slightly like two percent more difficult for them yeah. i don't know with, with villa though i think you would obviously tweak how you play to face Liverpool than you do Fulham, but ripping the script up and playing like a flat back five to take on Liverpool wouldn't be, you know, it, it wouldn't be my way of doing things. You, you'd still want the same kind of overall philosophy. You wouldn't want to change the entire identity of your team mm. each and every week because it's just, you know, I think people thrive when it's comfortable and changing yeah. those roles week in, week out can be difficult. One or two things here. Inserting Nakamba to be a bit more of a ball-winning midfielder than than Douglas Luiz, for example, would be a positive thing. Changing the entire setup of the team and the way you play, probably not not for Villa because I don't think it would be quite a comfortable situation. And just to finish, finally, Ross Barkley, cause it, it wouldn't be a podcast without talking about him. We need a creative midfielder with Jack being out for so long. doesn't really get a sniff today. Losing against Fulham and, and Jacob Ramsey comes on ahead of him, doesn't even get off the bench. Is that him done at Villa now? Do you think? We'll see. Um, I, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't, <laughs> very, I, I, very I, political. These answers they're very on the fence. I, I, I want feel. the best for for Ross Barkley because if he gets the best right now, that's be, that's really good for Villa. If he yeah. finds the form of his life, that's really good for Villa. So I want to sit here and write him off. But I think we've uh, we've Ash tweeting that he wasn't around when we come back out, and it's just like is Keenan Davis's heart is in it, Jacob Ramsey's heart in it, Douglas Louise, even though he was casual. You know, at the end, his heart was in it. Tyron Mings, even though the casual sake, his heart was in it. Is Ross Barkley 110% committed to the Aston Villa project? And I, I couldn't give you, I couldn't say. And that's what, mm. what makes it difficult for me, mate, is um, I'm not sitting here to, I don't want to be here to sit and write Ross Barkley off because we all know the player he can be. If he's that player, that's really good for Villa. So ideally it comes back in the next game, but you never know. It is things and, it, you know, the evidence is there that like, it's not likely, unfortunately. Yeah, I think we'll see dribs and drabs of Barker for the rest mm. of the season. Then he'll go back to Chelsea and he's their problem, basically, to deal with, not ours. Yeah. Um, Paul says, where's Kendrick part-timer these days? <laughs> uh, we spoke about this on a previous <sighs> podcast, didn't we, that we'd be on our own today. And he texted the, the group chat before we started. I'm going to show it just because the wording is funny. I don't really want to see it on here. Uh, he says, I'm off to waddle around a five-a-side pitch. That was 25 minutes ago <laughs> uh, in our podcast group chat. So... Maybe uh maybe Matt Kendrick's doing better <laughs> on the farther side pitching the bit of work in the first half today, but it's a funny sight, isn't it? Yeah. Tom also says, Where's the baldy man? Which to be fair, I'm quite glad that I've not been given the bald uh <laughs> the bald shout with Matt not on the podcast, to be fair. I did um, see an injury uh, not an injury, I did see a, a comment that said uh, since his injury has been no good and I thought that was about Matt Kendrick, but obviously <laughs> it's on the on a line. I was like, Is that good? It's getting more minutes than Ross anyway, to be fair. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. He'd probably do a better job than Ross Barkley as well. Um, I don't know what position he is. I'm sure he's a left back. Um, we'll ask him the next time he does a podcast. Somebody remind us in the comments. I doubt he's got get. a speed for an overlap. I don't want to like sit here nah, and like... Yeah, but it's farther side, isn't it? There's not much to do. Farther side left back. Like, <laughs> yeah. I thought, he, I thought he was playing 11 aside. Nah, he's farther side, I think. Oh, so we just yeah, sitting sure there kind of doing yeah, just punt long balls up and try and shoot from the halfway line. That's what I'd do. Yeah, five aside. We'll ask him next week. We'll find out how Matt did and get give him a player rating. Uh, <laughs> I know you're, that's your favourite thing to do. Um, so thanks, everyone, for, tr- for tuning in this afternoon on Easter Sunday. Um, I was going to try and make some kind of joke about resurrection and Villa bringing things back to life on a on Easter Sunday. Um but I, I couldn't I couldn't work it out properly in my head to get it out. So along those lines. Um, but yeah, thanks, James, for joining me. Thanks to the almost 500 people watching this live on Facebook and YouTube this evening for, you. for tuning in. We do appreciate it. We'll be back at some point during the week to chat all things Villa. Uh, Ash Priest will be reporting on, on whatever's going on. And we've also got a, a big interview with Brian Little coming out on Tuesday, the 6th of April. So stay tuned for that as well. That's a, a really good watch. And you've seen it as well, James. And uh, not to blow our own trumpet, but... I mean, it's not blowing out on Trump, it's Brian Little talking for an hour and a half. Like, it's, it's him being very good. Uh, so, come back for that. We'll be back for the next game against Liverpool as well. Um, so, cheers for watching all, and we'll be back soon. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please do let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode, but until then, up the villa. <laughs> <laughs>